Ephesians 3 and verse 14, reading through the end of the chapter there, says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit. And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love. And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray over the word as we receive this morning. Father, we do thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're able to lead us into all truth in it. We thank you that a word in due season, how good it is. And Lord, you're able to bring to us a word alive that can minister to our uh, body, our mind and our spirit. I thank you that you have in that unlimited resources. And Lord, you're able to take uh, my simple uh, remarks today and do with them what I could never do. Uh, which is lodge them in the hearts and mind of your people so that they can reflect, meditate on your word and there be changed and transformed by it. We thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. We believe in prayer. Amen. We believe in prayer. We believe in the practice of it. We believe we should do it often. We believe in the power of it. Right. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much, accomplishes a lot. We believe in the power of it. We believe in the purpose of it. God Almighty has commanded us to pray. Christ has encouraged us that we should always pray and never give up. We believe in praying one for another. Right. We have time. Kelly and I are always back here in the back. Uh, during uh, singing, during, during praise and worship time so that we're available if you need prayer for anything. Anything, we want you to come so that we can pray about it. Wednesday nights, before we conclude our Bible study, what do we do? We ask, is there anything we need to be praying about so the requests can come forth? We can agree on them together and we can pray about them together because we believe that God hears our prayers. Amen. And I believe that it's also powerful and important that you hear not only your prayers, but others' prayers for you. Isn't it? Have you ever had somebody tell you that they prayed for you? Did that bless your heart? Did that encourage you? Did, they t- did it encourage you even more if they told you what they prayed over you? I was praying for you and I prayed this. I pray that the Lord would bless you and that he would keep you, that he would make his face shine on you and give you peace. I pray that he would give you strength during this time. I pray that you would feel and know his presence now more than ever before. When we hear that, for whatever reason, it blesses our heart 
and it strengthens us and it empowers us. We believe that he hears our prayers and we believe that it's helpful for us to hear them too. I pray so that I can hear that coming out of my own mouth and and, and spirit. His word over my situations, me requesting to him to do what only he can do. And here at the end of Ephesians 3, we have Paul praying for the readers of this letter, which now includes us. Right. He is he is telling us, I pray for you. And here is what I pray. And there's there's four things we're going to touch on that he prays over them, that he prays for us. He prays for strength. He prays over love. He prays for knowledge and he prays about the fullness. We're going to talk about those today. He said, I kneel for this reason. I kneel before the father. What reason? Well, as far as I can tell, it's everything he wrote up through that verse. All of these things that he wrote to us in Ephesians chapter one, because he knows uh, uh, all of those God's rich blessings that we read about in chapter one, that through him we have redemption through his blood in him. We've received an inheritance in him. We were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. He talked about the gospel that's powerful enough to unite a Jew and a Gentile, both with Christ Jesus and then with one another. Power that would have overwhelmed their mindset and still overwhelms ours today when we consider all the issues that are being had. He said, for this reason, I kneel before God, the father, pointing out that this is an earnest Prayer and showing humility because their normal posture of prayer was to stand with you with with your arms out and your eyes up to the heavens. He said, I'm kneeling before the father for you. And I pray this was the first thing that he prayed for. Verse 16. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He's praying that God may grant us out of his unlimited resources, the riches. He talks about the riches a lot. One in our mind to think God is big and he's powerful and he has at his command more than we can imagine. He says, I'm praying that out of his unlimited resources, the riches of his glory, that he would grant you that you would be what? Strengthened. That you would be made strong with power. Look at that. Strengthened with power in your inner being through the spirit. Strength and power, not strength and power as the world knows it or as the world seeks it. Because the world seeks strength and power at the eradication of vulnerability. The world thinks that you can only be powerful, you can only be strong if you are never vulnerable. Or And when you hear vulnerability, I don't want you to just think we get together and we talk about our feelings. Uh, even though transparency can be a part of vulnerability, Vulnerability means I am subject to some type of meaningful risk. Subject to some type of meaningful risk that I can be strong and powerful and yet also subject to meaningful risk. Because in the world, when you have power and authority, but you're not subject to meaningful risk, what we see almost always 
right? Absolute power corrupts absolutely. What we see always is it turns to abuse. It turns to exploitation of other people. He's saying, I'm praying that God might grant you that you would be strong with power in the inner man. What we're hearing from him is that the strength that we should seek, that we should desire, that we should pray for is strength from the father. Power that begins on the inside power in our inner man, in our spirit, excuse me, in our spirit. Because what we've seen is that our flesh may fail. Our mind may fail. But scripture tells me that the spirit on the inside of a person sustains them even in physical weakness. To sow strength into the area that cannot be diminished, that cannot be destroyed. And then he says, I I pray that you be strengthened with power in your inner being. How much do we need this today? How much do we need this today? There's nobody in here that would say, I'm strong enough in my inner being. Thank you very much. I've got everything that I need. I'm fully content. I'm fully courageous. I've got everything that I need. No, we we see now more and more every day our need for this. And look where it comes from. It comes from him. You see this here. We've got this phrase that he's going to use that's going to connect both this and the next point He's praying that you be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, which is a little bit of a puzzle because he's talking to believers, right? He's talking to people that have already put their faith in God. And he's saying, I want that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. And he had already told us that we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when we believe. That was in Ephesians chapter 1. And in Galatians, it talks about we've received the spirit of adoption. And he has sent his, the spirit of his son into our heart so that we could from our heart call him, what, father. And we'll see. So we, we, we've got that. And then we've also got where he'll tell us later in Ephesians when we get there is that we should continually be being filled, what, with the Holy Spirit. So you've got this little bit of a puzzle, like he is abiding in us, he resides within us, and yet that relationship should be continuing, increasing, and deepening. I pray that Christ would dwell in your hearts through Faith, And when he uses that word, part of what, how we know what he means and what he doesn't mean is by the word that he uses. Because he uses two words in the book of Ephesians that can both be translated into dwell. One of them right here. It's katoikeo. Uh, That's my effort at it. Katoikeo. And it means to settle in somewhere, to settle down somewhere, Uh, a thought of home and a familial home where a family lives. And the other one he uses back in chapter one, and it's paroikos, which means to dwell somewhere, but to dwell as a stranger or a guest, as an alien, somebody who doesn't have citizenship. And we could think of it like... uh, Staying as a traveler in a hotel, right? 
I'm staying there, but they don't really know me and I'm not going to be there and there's not any relationship. Now, I'm just as much in there physically as I am in my own home, right? But it's different, isn't it? It's different. Though I'm staying there physically, just like I am in my home, it's different when I'm in my home. And so when he's using this word that Christ would dwell in your hearts, it's not that he be a traveler who's here today and gone tomorrow, but that he would be the master of the house, that he would be the Lord of the table of fellowship. This this idea of relationship and rule that, that you wouldn't have if he was just a guest. This is his house. This belongs to him. And Paul prays to the father that Christ will, by his spirit, be allowed to settle and dwell in our hearts to make his throne and his home there. That from there he would rule us and have relationship with us. And through that relationship and through that rule, he's able to strengthen us in that inner man that we would be strengthened by Christ dwelling in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. He says we need that. And that we don't need to take it for granted. We don't just need to go, yeah, Jesus is staying here. What room's he in? I don't know. Which floor is he on? I'm not sure. He asked about the ice machine. I remember that. Right? You can have Christ dwelling Without you having that relationship. And he's like, I really pray that you have that relationship. That, that, that you not be an end that he is staying uh, at, but, but that he would be at home in your heart and dwelling there as master and king. So he prays strength for them and he believes that that strength is going to come through uh, the inhabiting presence of Christ Jesus dwelling in their hearts by faith. And then that carries over also into this next point of I pray that you this is the latter part of verse 17. I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints What is the length and width, height and depth of God's love? So not only that Christ be dwelling in our hearts by the spirit, but that from there we who are rooted and firmly established are rooted and grounded in love. He's using two different terms there, one for a tree and one for a building. One for the roots of a tree and one for the foundation of a structure. So you picture a well-rooted tree or a well-built house. In both of those examples, they are stable and their stability is unseen. A well-rooted tree, a well-foundationed building, they're both stable And the reason they're stable is unseen. He was like, he's going to bring stability into your hearts and into your lives. Other people aren't going to be able to see why you're stable, but they are going to see that you are stable. And it's going to be rooted and grounded in what? In love. Love is the soil that our life is rooted in. and It's the foundation which our life is built on. We are because he is. That love that we're established in, that love that we're rooted and grounded in doesn't come from us. It comes from 
him. And so from a position of one that's rooted and grounded in love, he prays that they and we would be able to comprehend God's love. Comprehend, you know, when somebody goes, did you catch that? They'll tell you something. Did you get that? Have you got that? Have you laid hold of that? Have you grabbed? Does that belong to you? Do you understand that? He's like that we would comprehend God's love, that we would make it that knowledge of it our own and that we would comprehend it with who? With all the saints. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints. We best comprehend the love of God in the fellowship of the saints, in the fellowship of other believers. Think about, you know, most of you gathered together with family this last week for Thanksgiving, right? How much food was on the table? Quite a bit. Would that much food have been on the table if it was just you there at the table? No. You wouldn't have made half those casseroles, half those pies, half those dishes. You wouldn't have had that. You could have had the, you could have had quite a bit. You let me fix a meal for myself, I can have quite a bit. But I'm able to experience in part by myself because it's only what I can do. But when we bring more people to the table, we all together experience more, don't we? You see the way that works at the Thanksgiving table. You see how it works among the saints. An isolated believer can experience God, can experience God Almighty, can experience great and mighty things. And yet it still be lesser than what a believer can experience in the fellowship of the saints. Why? Because isolated and by myself, what, what, what do I have? I have my own experience. I have my own testimony. I have my own life to draw from as my experience. That's all I have for the spirit to reference to in my heart and in my mind to refer me to to point things out in. But when I gather with the body of believers that's diverse and full of variety with many different backgrounds and many different experiences, it's like that Thanksgiving table. I can experience God's goodness in your life even though I didn't live it. I can understand God's goodness in our lives together because it's greater than my experience alone. He's saying, I want you to comprehend with all the saints, not that just you all, not that just all of you understand, but that all of you understand at a higher level because you're walking this out together. If his love is enough for all of our diversity, all of our variety to bring us into union with Christ and one another, it will be best known through our unity as the body of Christ. Because again, you'll see and you'll hear and you'll experience the love of God through the lives and the testimonies of your brothers and sisters and not just your life alone. That's another reason why there's value in the gathering. Because I can hold to what God has done in your life as a testimony and as a promise when things are difficult for me. If I'm all alone, then all I have is me. And he can still get me through when it's me. Amen. Yes, he can. But it's not going to be as easy for me as I go through it. He said, I pray that you comprehend with all the saints. 
What is the length and width, height and depth of God's love? And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The length and width of his love, that that it's wide enough to include all of mankind. Every, Every nation, tribe, tongue, Jew, Gentile, everyone, it's able to encompass them. It's long enough to reach into eternity for all of eternity, his love. And it's deep enough to reach the lowest sinner, the one farthest from God in their walk. It's high enough to bear that same sinner to the kingdom, to the heavens where Christ is. Exalted. Amen. He said, what shall separate us from the love of God? Not height, not depth, not angels, not demons. What can separate us from the love of God? When you when you see this, this that you may be able to comprehend the, the length, the width, the height, the depth for, for generations. Preachers have pointed to the cross. That you would know the width, that you would know the height, that you would know the length and the depth. That it would reach down to the earth while pointing up to the heavens. And that the crossbar that held the arms of Jesus with his arms open wide would invite every sinner who would come. Not just in that time, but for all time who would come to him. Come and receive life and life more abundantly. Forgiveness of your sins. This is what he's praying for the body of Christ. This is what he's praying over them in Ephesus. This is what he's praying over us. That they would be strengthened. That they would comprehend the love that they're rooted and grounded in. That they're established Upon that they would understand with all the saints and lay hold again, catch this and grab hold of it to make it my own. The, the, the length, the width, the height, the depth of God's love for us. And notice this. And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge. So to comprehend with all the saints the length, the width, the height, the depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He's saying God loves you. Comprehend that. Jesus loves you. Know that. Know that and, and again, in their understanding to learn something or to know it, or I should say it, to know something wasn't just to learn it, wasn't just to be told a fact and to receive that fact as true. To know something was to experience it. To know something was to experience that thing that you know. So when he's saying, 
that we would comprehend God's love with all the saints, the length, the height, the width, the depth, and that we would know Christ's love. Well, aren't they the same? Yes. And there's more to that. I want to read real quick out of 1 John chapter 4. And in verse 7, talking about this love, because he's te- those two different things. He references them separately. That we would comprehend God's love, height, width, depth, length. That we would comprehend it and that we would know Christ's love. So 1 John 4, 7. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this or this is love. Not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So we see here God's love for us. He references that. And we talked about Christ's love. One is in the air. One is on the ground. One is an overarching idea. And one is something relational that we can lay hold of. One has flesh and bone. One, one that we can touch. To comprehend God's love and to know Christ's love. It would be like me, like me telling you that parents love their children. Parents love their children. Yeah, okay, they do. I know now that parents love their children. I've been taught that. But when I see it played out in front of me between a parent and a child, or even more than that, when I become a parent of a child, it is deeper and more meaningful, isn't it? To know it is one thing, to experience it is another. And it's saying God loved us and he pointed it out. He demonstrated it by sending his son. Christ came into the world to be the incarnate love of God Almighty, to be the image of the invisible God, to put flesh on what we had only heard about, that we knew to be true, but to put flesh on it. So to comprehend God's love and to know it through Christ, which again, notice in there, it says it surpasses knowledge. I want you to know something that surpasses knowing. I want you to have, but, but we, you know, that sounds like a paradox, but we know what it means. Then it's like, I, I, I know it so deeply. I don't understand how I know something this deeply or this strongly or this fervently. I don't know how it means so much in my heart. I can't explain it, but I can say that I do. To know something that surpasses knowledge. And again, this isn't an equation to study. This isn't a principle to learn or or, or something that you just give intellectual assent to. This is an overwhelming force that must be experienced and that will be 
experience. How? By the spirit on the inside of us, Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith, being rooted and as firmly established in love, comprehending with all the saints how deep the love of God is towards us. And to know the love of Christ, which is beyond knowledge into verse 19, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Again, it's one of those things that just physically doesn't make sense. Filled with all of the fullness of God. The scripture speaks like that. Paul speaks like that in relation to the father in Christ and Christ in us. To live life to the fullest in the fullness is found in the surpassing knowledge of the love of Jesus Christ. It's found in that relationship, again, of him dwelling in us, not as a guest, but as Lord of the house, head of the table. That's where the fullness is found. That's what we're looking for, right? That's what we want is that full life. Scripture says this is where it is found. The fullness. What does it look like? It looks like you becoming more like him. Marty shared on that uh, after sharing her testimony on Monday night with uh, the Overcomers group. The scripture, actually, I accidentally shared the wrong one that husband, you know, wives should honor their husbands. That was so funny uh, that she gave that one as the wrong. To, anyway, you had to be there. But what was she was wanting to refer to was how we look in a mirror at the reflection of Christ. And we are as believers, as his followers, as those who he dwells in, as those who are comprehending with all the saints, the love of God and the surpassing, knowing that Christ's love, which surpasses knowledge, we are being transformed, changed into his image. The one we're beholding is the one we're becoming We're being transformed into that image by the power of the Holy Spirit from glory to glory. Amen. And it speaks to our heavenly perfection, but it also has relevance to us today that we are daily to be growing towards that fullness that we find in him, that fullness that he has deposited into our hearts as he dwells in us Growing daily towards that final fullness because we shall be, as Scripture says, like Him. That's God's purpose for our life. That's God's promise for our life. That's His grace over our life. That we, being who we were in Christ, would be as He is. Amen. And again, that transformation is by the power of the Spirit from glory to glory into his image. Paul is praying for believers and we benefit from hearing his prayer and we really benefit if we repeat it, right? If we look back over this, he prays that we be granted according to the riches of God's glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit and that Christ may dwell not as a guest, but as Lord in your hearts through faith, praying that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, 
height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness, that you may live that full life, that life more abundant that he said he came to give us, that we would walk in that both now and into and for all eternity. Strength and love and knowledge and fullness. That's what I want to challenge you with as we get ready to close today. And again, if you're not there with me, this is in Ephesians chapter 3. The end of Ephesians chapter 3. Pray this this week. Take this prayer and pray it this week. Pray it over yourself and pray it over somebody else. Speak it over them. Speak their name and say, Father, I'm before you from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. And I pray that you grant fill in the blank. Pray this over yourself. Pray this over your brothers and sisters this week. This is my challenge to you, because if you pay attention at the end, it says now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask. This is asking a lot. Above all that we ask or think he's able to do that according to the power that works in us, his power. And to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So pray this this week over yourself, over your brothers and sisters. Like, I don't know who to pray for. Pray that he puts somebody on your heart. Well, what if he doesn't? Pray for me. Pray for me. If the Lord put somebody on my heart, and if not, I'll just pray for Stephen. Pray this over me. Pray this over your family. Pray this over your friends. Pray this over yourself. It's not long. Again, why? Because of what we read in verse 20 and 21. And not only is he listening, we know that he's listening. This tells us that he's also able. Able to do more than we can ask. Able to do more than we can think according to his power that he's wanting to work in us. And it will renew our mind to who he is, what he's wanting to do. and just makes us be conscious of his purpose in our life and in the world. Because what do we do when we want to remember something? When we want to make sure something gets done, we keep thinking about it, don't we? We keep thinking about it. How much better will our time and energy and thought capacity be spent by plugging this in there just a couple times a day? Tie it to something else that you're doing. Whether it's, okay, when I brush my teeth, I'm going to pray this over myself and over somebody else. You need to be doing that at least twice a day anyway, right? Right? Or when I, when I do this, when I get in the car... I'm going to pray this over myself and over somebody else. It's not going to take you a long time, but it will be well worth your time. Tied to something that you're already doing. And each day, each day, again, I'm focusing on this because I think it's important. Pray this over yourself and pray this over somebody that you love. Amen. Let's close. Father, we do thank you. We thank you that we get to sit here in Camden, Arkansas, 
in the year 2023 and we get to hear what the Apostle Paul prayed over the saints, which by extension includes us. Father, I thank you that you don't change, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You don't change because you didn't have to, because you've always been good. You've always been right. You've always been just. The truth has always been your friend. I thank you, Lord, that we can rest in that unchanging nature today. And Lord, I pray and I speak over these men and women. And Lord, I pray that they would be strengthened, that you would grant them strength according to the glorious riches that belong only to you, that they would be strengthened in their inner man and that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith. I thank you, Lord, that we'll be able to comprehend with all the saints the height, the width, the length, and the depth of your love for us. And we would know Christ's love, which is beyond and surpasses knowing. And Lord, in those steps that we will be filled with all of your fullness, how, that mystery that, that we can be filled up to overflowing with all that you are, and you are more than we can comprehend. Father, I thank you that we'll find that strength. We've been looking for it. Lord, we look for it every day. All, through all of life, what can I trust in? What can I hope in? What will strengthen me today? And I thank you, Lord, that it, all of those things belong to you. And you've given them to us freely in the love of Christ. I thank you that we don't have to worry about anything, but we can pray to you about everything and thank you for what you've already done. Lord, we want to, we want to catch your love. We want to comprehend it. We want to capture it in our heart and in our mind so that we can know it, how much you love us. And didn't you prove it when you sent your son, Christ Jesus, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is love. Not that we love you. That, that just makes sense. But that you loved us and gave your son as a sacrifice for our sins. Lord, I thank you that we're loved. I thank you that we're accepted in Christ Jesus. I thank you that we're a part of your family. That we have a seat at your table. We didn't deserve it. We're there by grace. But we are there firmly rooted and grounded in that love. And I thank you, Lord, it's from that position that we get up and go do everything that we do, that we're always one, just a reach of the hand to your table, a table that you said you've prepared for us in the presence of our enemies. You've prepared a table for us. And I thank you for that. I thank you that we get to, with all the saints, comprehend all that you are. And I thank you that you're able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think according to the power that you've already set at work on the inside of us. God, I thank you that you've got a purpose for us, that we're going to see that played out uh, through the coming weeks as we approach the, the Christmas holiday and the end of this year. God, I thank you for what you've already been ministering to hearts and to minds about what's coming, what's coming up. And Lord, that we wouldn't be intimidated by that, but we would be excited in it, whether it's a challenge, whether it's a conviction from you, whether it's an opportunity, whatever it is that you've set before us, we know that it is for your glory and for our good. And we say thank you.
Lord, bless us as we go today. I thank you that we leave in peace and unity with one another. Lord, those that are out from among us uh, sick, weak in their body, I thank you that you heal them, strengthen them, set them free and return them to us. Lord, same thing with those that are traveling. Lord, we got people here and there with family uh, this holiday season. I thank you that you bring them home safely and refreshed. Lord, those that are working, that they would do so to your glory. And Father, I thank you for the body of Christ that we get to be a part of. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen.